You're listening to part one of A Mysterious Affair at Soldier Island, a podcast player's production. Ten little soldier boys going out to dine. One choked his little self, and then there were nine. Nine little soldier boys sat up very late. One overslept himself, and then there were eight. Eight little soldier boys travelling in Devon. One said he'd stay there, and then there were seven. Seven little soldier boys chopping up sticks. One chopped himself in halves, and then there were six. Six little soldier boys playing with a hive. A bumblebee stung one, and then there were five. Five little soldier boys going in for law. One got into chancery, and then there were four. Four little soldier boys going out to sea. A red herring swallowed one, and then there were three. Three little soldier boys walking in the zoo. A big bear hugged one, and then there were two. Two little soldier boys playing with a gun. One shot the other one, and then there was one. One little soldier boy left all alone. He went out and hanged himself, and then there were none. Our story begins in the house on the cliffside, sitting by the sea on Soldier Island. It is a bright sunlit evening. Nearly the whole of the back of the room is a window looking directly out to sea. French windows open onto a balcony with chairs. The main approach to the house is up the steps on the side of the balcony. Inside, there is a door to the dining room and a door to the study in the back. There is also a door to the hall, which leads to the kitchen and bedrooms with a bell pull rope hanging by it. The main room is very modern and luxuriously but sparsely furnished, with a sofa, chairs, and a cocktail cabinet. There is a fireplace over which hangs a reproduction of the Ten Little Soldier Boys nursery rhyme. On the mantelpiece is a clustered group of ten China Soldier Boy figures. Before the fireplace is a big white bearskin rug with a bear's head. Rogers is seen putting the final touches to the room. He is a competent manservant. Not a butler, but a house parliament, quick and deft, just a trifle suspicious and shifty. Mrs. Rogers enters from the dining room. She is a thin, worried, frightened-looking woman. Narricot enters from the balcony. He is the ferryman to the island, responsible for bringing guests as well as supplies for the home each morning. First lot to be arriving in Jim's boat, another lot not far behind. Good evening, Fred. Good evening, Mrs. Rogers. Is that the boat? Yes. Oh dear, already. Have you remembered everything? I think so. Uh, lemons, slip soles, cream, 
uh, eggs, tomatoes, and butter. That's all, wasn't it? That's right. So much to do, I don't know where to start. No maids till the morning, and all these guests arriving today. Oh, calm down, Ethel. Everything's ship-shaped now. Looks nice, don't it, Fred? Uh, looks neat enough for me. Kind of bare, but rich folks like places bare, it seems. Rich folks is queer. And he was a queer sort of gentleman, has built this place. Spent a wicked lot of money on it, he did. And then gets tired of it and puts the whole thing up for sale. Beats me why the Owens wanted to buy it, living on an island. Oh, come off it, Ethel. And take all that stuff out and into the kitchen. They'll be here any minute now. Making that steep climb an excuse for a drink, I suppose. Like some others I know. Ah, that'd be young Jim. I'll be getting along. There's two guests arriving by car, I understand. I shall want at least five loaves in the morning and eight pints of milk, remember? Uh, right. Uh, don't forget the oil for the engine, Fred. I ought to charge up tomorrow, or I'll have the lights running down. It was held up on the railway. It's at the station now. I'll bring it across first thing tomorrow. And give a hand with the luggage, will you? Right. I forgot to give you the list of guests, Tom. Oh, thanks, old girl. Mm. Doesn't look a very classy lot to me. Miss Claythorne. She'll probably be the secretary. I don't hold much with secretaries. Worse than hospital nurses, and them giving themselves airs and graces and looking down on the servants. Oh, stop grousing, Ethel. And cut along to that lovely, up-to-date, expensive kitchen of yours. Too many new-fangled gadgets for my fancy. Vera and Lombard are heard outside and enter onto the balcony. She is a good-looking woman of 25. He is an attractive, lean man of 34, with a touch of the adventurer about him. So this is it? How perfectly lovely. Miss Claythorne. You're Rogers? Yes. Good evening, miss. Good evening, Rogers. Will you bring up my luggage and Captain Lombard's? Very good, miss. You've been here before? No, but I've heard a lot about the place. From Mr. and Mrs. Owen? No. Old Johnny Brewer, a pal of mine, built this house. It's a sad and poignant story. A love story? Yes, ma'am. The saddest of all. He was a wealthy old boy and fell in love with the famous Lily Logan. Married her, bought the island and built this place for her. Sounds most romantic. <laughs> Poor Johnny. He thought by cutting her off from the rest of the world, without even a telephone as means of communication, he could hold her. But of course the fair Lily tired of her ivory tower and escaped. Uh-huh. Johnny went back to Wall Street, made a few more millions, and the place was sold. And here we are. Well, I ought to find Mrs. Owen. The others will be up in a minute. It would be very rude to leave me here all by myself. Would it? <laughs> oh well. I wonder where she is. <laughs> She'll come along when she's ready. While we're waiting, do you think I could have a drink? I'm very dry. Of course you could. It's certainly warm after that steep climb. What's yours? No, thanks. Not for me. Not on duty. A good secretary is never off duty. Really? This is exciting. What? All this. The smell of the sea, the gulls, the beach, and this lovely house. I am going to enjoy myself. I think you are. I think we both are. Here's to you. You're very lovely. <clears throat> Where is Mrs. Owen? Mr. and Mrs. Owen won't be down from London until tomorrow, miss. I thought you knew. Tomorrow, but... I've got a list here of the guests expected, miss, if you would like to have it. The second boatload's just arriving. Yes, please. Thank you. How awful. 
I say, you will be sweet and help me, won't you? I won't move from your side. Thank you. It seems silly to have brought only us in the first boat and all the rest in the second. That, I'm afraid, was design, not accident. Design? What do you mean? I suggested to the boatman that there was no need to wait for any more passengers. That and five shillings soon started up the engine. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't have done that! Well, they're not a very exciting lot, are they? I thought the young man was rather nice-looking. Callow. Definitely callow. And very, very young. <laughs> I suppose you think a man in his thirties is more attractive. I don't think, my darling. I know. Marston enters from the balcony. He is a good-looking young man of 23 or so, rich and spoiled. Wizard place you've got here. I'm Mrs. Owen's secretary. Mrs. Owen has been detained in London, I'm afraid, and won't be down until tomorrow. Oh, too bad. May I introduce Captain Lombard, Mr. Uh... Marston. Anthony Marston. Have a drink? Oh, thank you. What will you have? Gin? Whiskey? Cherry? Whiskey, I think. Blore comes up onto the balcony. He is a middle-aged, thick-set man wearing rather loud clothes. His eyes dart about, making notes of everything. Wonderful place you have here. I'm Mrs. Owen's secretary. Mrs. Owen has been detained in London, I'm afraid, and won't be down until tomorrow. Say when. Oh, wizard. How are you? My name's Lombard. Have a drink, Mr... Davis. Davis is the name. Mr. Davis. Mr. Marston. How are you, Mr. Marston? Pleased to meet you. Thanks, Mr. Lombard. I don't mind if I do. Bit of a stiff climb up here, but whew, what a view and what a height. Reminds me of South Africa, this place. Does it? What part? Oh, uh, Natal, Durban, you know. Really? Well, here's Temperance. Do you, uh, know South Africa? <laughs> me, no. That's where I come from. That's my natal state. <laughs> Interesting country, I should think. Finest country in the world, sir. Gold, silver, diamond, oranges, everything a man could want. Talk about a land flowing with beer and skittles. General MacArthur arrives on the balcony. He is an upright, soldierly old man with a gentle, tired face. How do you do? General MacArthur, isn't it? I'm Mrs. Owen's secretary. Mrs. Owen has been detained in London, I'm afraid, and won't be down until tomorrow. Can I introduce Captain Lombard, Mr. Marston, and Mr. Davis? Davis. Davis is the name. Whiskey and soda, sir. Yes, thanks. <laughs> uh, you in the service? Formerly in the King's African Rifles. Too tame for me in peacetime, I chucked it. Uh, pity. <laughs> when? Miss Emily Brent enters abruptly. She is a tall, thin spinster with a disagreeable and suspicious sort of air to her. Where is Mrs. Owen? Miss Brent, isn't it? I'm Mrs. Owen's secretary. Mrs. Owen has been detained in London, I'm afraid, and won't be and down, won't be down until, until tomorrow. tomorrow. Indeed. Extraordinary. Did she miss the train? I expect so. Won't you have something? May I introduce Captain Lombard, General MacArthur, Mr. Marston? I think you all met on the boat, and Mr. Davis. Davis is the name. May I take your case? Do let me give you a drink. A dry martini, a glass of sherry. Whiskey and soda? I never touch alcohol. You never touched alcohol? I suppose you know, young man, that you left us standing there on the wharf? I'm afraid, Miss Brent, I was to blame for that. I, I wanted to- It seems to me most extraordinary that Mrs. Owen should not be here to receive her guests. Perhaps she's the kind of person who just can't help missing trains. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I reckon she is. 
Not at all. Mrs. Owen is in the least like that. <laughs> Perhaps it was her husband's fault. She hasn't got a husband. <clears throat> I should like to go to my room. Of course. I'll take you there. You'll find Mrs. Rogers upstairs, miss. She will show you the room. Vera, Emily, and Rogers exit to the hall. Wargrave enters from the balcony. Lombard comes to greet him. I'm afraid our host and hostess haven't arrived, sir. My name's Lombard. Mine's Wargrave. How do you do? How do you do? Have a drink, sir. Yes, please. A whiskey. How are you? Davis. Davis is the name. I say, wonderful place we have here. Quite unique. As you say, quite unique. Your drink, sir? Old Badger Berkeley rolled up yet? Who did you say? Badger Berkeley. He roped me in for this show. When's he coming? I don't think he is coming. Nobody of the name of Berkeley. The dirty old double-crosser. He's let me down. Well, it's a pretty wizard island. Rather a wizard girl, that secretary. She ought to liven things up a bit. I say, old man, what about dressing for dinner if there's time? Let's go and explore. How wizard? <laughs> Things are a bit at sixes and sevens with the Owens not turning up. Tricky, what? I say wizard place for a holiday, what? Marston and Lombard exit to the hall. Blore wanders out onto the balcony, looks back sharply into the room, then presently exits. Wargrave continues to sit like a Buddha. He observes MacArthur, who is standing, looking rather lost, absentmindedly pulling his moustache. Aren't you going to sit down? Well, to tell you the truth, you seem to be in my chair. <clears throat> I am sorry. I didn't realize you were one of the family. Well, it's not that exactly. To tell you the truth, I've never been here before. But you see, I, <clears throat> I live at the Benton Club. Have for the last ten years, and my seat is... It's just about there. <laughs> Can't get used to sitting anywhere else. It, it becomes a bit of a habit. <laughs> yes, it certainly does. Well, <sighs> well thank you. It, now, now, it's not quite as good as the clubs, but it's a nice chair. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, I was a bit surprised when I got this invitation. Haven't had anything of the like for well over four years. Very nice of them, I thought. <clears throat> Can I have your keys, sir? Is Lady Constance Calmington expected here? Can you tell me? Lady Constance Calmington? I don't think so, sir. Unless she's coming down with Mr. and Mrs. Owen. Oh. Allow me, sir. Can I have your keys, sir? No, oh, oh, thanks. I'll, I'll unpack for myself. Dinner is at eight o'clock, sir. Shall I show you to your room? Yes, please. Armstrong arrives on the balcony, followed by Nerecott, carrying her suitcase. Armstrong is a fussy, good-looking woman of 44. She looks rather tired. Here you are, ma'am. Thank you. How are you? Davis. Davis is the name. Mine's Armstrong. Dr. Armstrong, I believe? Yes. Thought so. Never forget a face. Don't tell me I've forgotten one of my patients. No, no, nothing like that. But I once saw you in court giving expert evidence. Oh, really? Are you interested in the law? Well, you see, I'm from South Africa. Naturally, legal processes in this country are bound to interest the colonial. Oh, yes, of course. Have a drink? No, thanks. I never touch it. What if I do? Mine's empty. Not a bit. I've never a look around the island. It's a wonderful place, isn't it? 
Wonderful. I thought as I was coming across the mainland what a haven of peace this was. Too peaceful for some, I dare say. Wonderfully restful. Wonderful for the nerves. I'm a nerve specialist, you know. Yes, I know that. Did you come down by train? No, I motored down. Dropped in on a patient on the way. Great improvement. Wonderful response. Best part of 200 miles, isn't it? How long did it take you? I didn't hurry. I never hurry. Bad for the nerves. Some mannerless young fellow nearly drove me into the ditch near Amesbury. Shot past me at about 80 miles an hour. Disgraceful bit of driving. I'd like to have had his number. Yes, and if only more people would take down the number of these young road hogs. Yes. You must excuse me. I must have a word with Mr. Owen. Oh, but uh, Mr. Owen isn't coming down to... <clears throat> you rang, sir? Yes, take my hat, will you? What time's supper? Dinner is at eight o'clock, sir, in a quarter of an hour. I think dressing will be optional. Got a good place here. Yes, thank you, sir. Been here long? Just under a week, sir. Is that all? So I don't suppose you know much about the crowd that's here? No, sir. All old friends of the family? I really couldn't say, sir. No, well. Oh, Rogers. Yes, sir. Rogers, do you think you could put some sandwiches and a bottle of beer in my room at night? I'll get an elephant appetite with this sea air. I'll see what I can do, sir. Rogers, I'll see you won't lose by it. <laughs> Where's my room? I'll show you, sir. Good. I can do with a wash and a brush up straight away. Bloor exits to the hall with Rogers. Mrs. Rogers enters from the dining room. She picks up glasses and tidies. Rogers quickly enters from the dining room with a tray of eight glasses. Oh, there you are, Rogers. You ought to clear these dirty glasses. You're always leaving the dirty work to me. Here I am with a four-course dinner on my hands and no one to help me. You might come and give me a hand with the dishing up. Who was that you were talking to, by the way? Davis. South African gentleman. No class, if you ask me. No money, either. I don't like him. Don't like any of them much. More like that bunch we had in the boarding house, I'd say. Davis gives out like he's a millionaire or something. <laughs> you should see his underwear. Cheap as they make him. Well, as I said, it's not treating us right. All these visitors arriving today and the maids not coming till tomorrow? What do they think we are? Now then... Anyway, the money's good. So it ought to be. Catch me going into service again unless the money was good. Well, it is good, so what are you going on about? Well, I can tell you this, Rogers. I'm not staying any place where I'm put upon. Cooking's my business. I'm a good cook. First rate, old girl. But the kitchen's my place, and housework's none of my business. All these guests! I've a good mind to put my hat and coat on and walk out now and go straight back to Plymouth. <laughs> you can't do that, old girl. Who says I can't? Why not, I should like to know? Because you're on an island, old girl. Had you forgotten that? Yes, and I don't know as I fancy being on an island. Don't know that I do either, come to that. No slipping down to a pub or going to the pictures. Oh well. It's double wages on account for the difficulties. And there's plenty of beer in the house. That's all you ever think about, beer. Now, now, stop your nagging. Uh, you get back to the kitchen of yours or your dinner will be spoiled. It'll be spoilt anyway, I expect. Everyone's going to be late. Wasted on them anyway. Thank goodness I didn't make a souffle. Oh, dinner won't be a minute, Miss Claythorne. Just a question of dishing up. Is everything all right, Rogers? Can you manage between the two of you? Yes, thank you, miss. The missus talks a lot, but she gets it done. What a lovely evening. Yes, indeed. The weather seems very settled. How plainly one can hear the sea. 
a pleasant sound. Hardly a breath of wind, and deliciously warm. Not like England at all. <laughs> I should have thought you might feel a little uncomfortable in that dress. Oh, no. It's rather tight, isn't it? Oh, I don't think so. You'll excuse me, my dear, but you're a young girl and you've got your living to earn. Yes? A well-bred woman doesn't like her secretary to appear flashy. It looks, you know, as though you were trying to attract the attention of the opposite sex. And would you say I do attract them? That's beside the point. A girl who deliberately sets out to get the attention of men won't be likely to keep her job long. Ah, surely that depends on who she's working for. Really, Miss Clayson? <laughs> Aren't you being a little unkind? Young people nowadays behave in the most disgusting fashion. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> yes. Low-backed evening dresses lying half-naked on beaches. All this so-called sunbathing. An excuse for a mother's behaviour, nothing more. Familiarity, Christian names, drinking cocktails. And look at the young men nowadays, decadent. Look at that young Marston. What good is he? And Captain Lombard. What do you object to in Captain Lombard? I should say he was a man who's led a very varied and interesting life. The man's an adventurer. All this younger generation's no good, no good at all. You don't like youth. I see. What do you mean? I was just remarking that you don't like young people. And is there any reason on why I should pray? Oh, no. But it seems to me that you must miss an awful lot. You're very impertinent. I'm sorry, but that's just what I think. The world will never improve until we stamp out to modesty. <laughs> Quite pathological. What did you say? Uh, nothing. What about the old boy? He looks rather like a tortoise, don't you think so? <laughs> All judges look like tortoises. They have that venomous way of darting their heads in and out. Mr. Justice Wargrave is no exception. I hadn't realized he was a judge. Oh, yes. He's probably been responsible for sending more innocent people to their death than anyone in England. Hello, you... Do you two know each other? Mr. Armstrong? Miss Clayton? Armstrong and I have just decided that the old boy... Yes, I heard you, and so did he, I think. Oh, Sir Lawrence. Miss Brent, isn't it? There's something I want to ask you. Uh, will you come out here? Ah. Uh, uh. Remarkably fine night. Absolutely wizard, girl. A supercharged sports valetti carlata. You don't see many of them on the road. I can get over a hundred out of her. Did you come from London? Yes. 208 miles and I did it in a bit over four hours. Too many cars on the road, though, to keep it up. Touched 90 going over Salisbury Plain. Not too bad, eh? I think you passed me on the road. Oh, yes? You nearly drove me into the ditch. Did I? Sorry. If I'd seen your number, I'd have reported you. But you were footling along in the middle of the road. Footling? Me footling? Oh, well, what about a drink? Good idea. Will you have one, Miss Claythorne? No, thank you. Good evening, Mrs. Owen. Why Mrs. Owen? You'd make the most attractive wife for any wealthy businessman. <laughs> Do you always flirt so outrageously? Always. Oh, well now we know. Tell me, what's old Miss Brent talking to the judge about? She tried to buttonhole him upstairs. I don't know. 
funny, she seems so definite that there wasn't a Mr. Owen. You don't think that Mrs. Owen... I mean that there isn't... that they aren't... What, married, you mean? Damn shame we don't know each other. I could have given you a lift down. Yes, that would have been grand. I'd like to show you what I can do across Salisbury Plain. Tell you what, maybe we can drive back together. Uh, but I... But it seems damn silly. I've got an empty car. Yes, but she likes the way she's going back uh, and... Look, uh, aren't they sweet? Ten little china soldiers. Oh, and there's the old nursery rhyme. What are you talking about? What figures? What nursery rhyme? Ten little soldier boys going out to dine. One choked his little self and then there were nine. Nine little soldier boys sat up very late. One overslept himself and then there were eight. Eight little soldier boys traveling in Devon. One said he'd stay there and then there were seven. Ladies and gentlemen, silence, please. Huh? What? what was that? You are charged with these indictments. Oh, what? That you did respectively and at diverse times commit the following. Edna Armstrong. What? That you did cause the death of Louisa Mary Cleese. Oh my God. William Henry Bloor. That you brought about the death of James Stephen Landor. I, I, uh... Emily Caroline Brent. That you were responsible for the death of Beatrice Taylor. <gasps> Vera Elizabeth Claythorne. What? That you killed Peter Ogilvy Hamilton. That's, that's not right. Philip Lombard. That you were guilty of the deaths of 21 men, members of an East African tribe. <laughs> right. <laughs> John Gordon MacArthur. What? That you sent your wife's lover, Arthur Richmond, to his death. S slander. Anthony James Marston. What? That you were guilty of the murder of John and Lucy Combs. Thomas Rogers and Ethel Rogers. That you brought about the death of Jennifer Brady. What? Why, I never... Lawrence John Wargrave. What? That you were guilty of the murder of Edward Seaton. Prisoners at the bar, have you anything to say in your defense? so much for listening to our show, A Mysterious Affair at Soldier Island. This was part one of six in the series. Please stand by for the next episode coming out next week. Hello, everyone. This is Megan Rackley. I had the pleasure of directing A Mysterious Affair at Soldier Island, and I wanted to take a moment to give special thanks to all of the incredible artists involved, including our production stage manager, Talia Camris, our dramaturg, Ruth Smitherman, with audio editing and sound design by Matthew Case, with original music composition by Matthew Case and Siegel Moyne, featuring musical performances by Siegel Moyne, Lauren Hesterman, and Allegra Edelman. If you enjoyed this show, please consider donating to our GoFundMe. All donations will be going towards fairly compensating all of the amazing artists you just heard. You can find a link to our fundraiser in the description of this episode. Thank you to those who have already donated. We truly appreciate your generosity and support. For updates and behind-the-scenes look at our production company, The Podcast Players, be sure to follow our podcast, Hold for Sound, released weekly on Wednesdays, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Also, be sure to check out our Patreon for access to exclusive content and merch and to continue to support our community. You can find the podcast players on all social media sites for links, updates, and more. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.